What's up, guys? Our wrestling podcast back at you with another episode. This is Dave Vicious along with Jess the Total Package, Craig the British Bulldog, and Cuz, bringing you our perspective on the world of professional wrestling. No inside sources, no ties to the industry, just stories from the diehards sharing opinions with you. Someone feed me today's topic. I am excited because this is the second installment of the Trendsetters series. And we're going to be talking about Bam Bam Bigelow. Bam, 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 That's right. bam. For audio fans, give us a listen on Apple, right. Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Google Podcast, or watch our videos on YouTube at Our Wrestling Podcast. On social media, give us a follow on Instagram or Twitter at OWP2019, or catch us on Facebook at Our Wrestling Podcast. Craig, huh? are you ready for some flying headbutts and some moonsaults that were almost as good as Vader's? You want to talk about a guy who had the perfect uh, kind of look and tough guy and former uh, bodyguard and bounty hunter. And imagine tattooing your head in those flames and the pain it is on those on those skulls um, and being that big and but so agile. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about his kind of attributes, but I loved Bam Bam Bigelow. Uh, imagine what he would have done if he was a little more aggressive uh, with his career and backstage. But um, my goodness, like there, there's is, a lot he, to talk about with Bam Bam. He's the epitome of if you pay me, I'm cool. I don't care how it comes out. I'll go out on your lights. It's fine. Just do you remember a video game? And I think it was on just regular Nintendo where Bam Bam was on it and he would just do a bunch of cartwheels. Do you remember yes. that? Wait, yeah. was, he yeah. the, was he in the was, first WrestleMania Nintendo game? Yes. Three-sided yes. Yeah. He was in it, and he did cartwheels and destroyed people with them. That was nine. That was eighty-seven. That game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was a terrible fucking game too. That's some that's some some eight-bit knowledge. I think Andre just kicked people. That's all he did. Yeah, there was no fourth ring. There was no fourth rope uh, side of the ring. Like it wasn't until pro wrestling. The body slam was the big move, and you had to mash all the buttons together. And the body (laughs) slam was them getting behind someone and doing a waist lock and just picking them up and dropping them on their ass. That was the body slam. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> good stuff. Good old eight bit stuff. Cause that's right. You're probably you probably were you were you were like what just born in eighty seven or I what's going on? <laughs> I still remember Bam Bam Man. What's I the remember first video game you remember? Cause uh, that game. Oh well, yeah, wrestling, we were, wrestling game wise, yeah, WrestleMania. Yeah, we, and then the uh, yeah, we, all, we all played it. Yeah, but yeah, but I remember I Bam Bam. I just think remember him doing cartwheels throughout the ring. It was kind of funny. I, I so. Bam Bam for me. I remember him. Uh, in the days where uh, standing right behind Craig and then ECW, those that those are my memories of Bam Bam Bigelow. His match with Bret Hart, King of the Ring, and that. I think, uh, yeah, that especially. Yeah, I think um, what Craig said, what he was alluding to was like Bigelow never played politics. I think yes. when the politics got too thick, he was like leaving. Yep. and that was the that was luxury back then of having right. a, a couple different promotions you can go to, and. My big thing that separates like a legacy episode from a trendsetter episode is like, you know, our first one, Dynamite Kid, which was super successful, by the way, uh, trendsetters. Um, and it got a, a big response, and I'm glad it did. And some of the family yeah. members of Dynamite Kid actually, you know, wrote me messages saying, great job, and, you know, they nice. really appreciated it. So it was nice. And the thing is, is like, it, it, what's different is I couldn't do a legacy on uh, Dynamite Kid because there's a lot of negative personal stuff that happened in his life and we cover that in legacies for example and but if you go to the trendsetters i just want to focus on 
the, the influence work. he had on the industry and his work itself. Bigelow, not because there are a lot of bad things happen in his personal life at all. There's very few. But Bigelow is a trendsetter to me. If you go do a legacy, yeah, he had a career that spanned a long time, but he never played the politics to be kind of any big player. So if we did a legacy on Bigelow, no disrespect to his career at all. But it just wouldn't be a, a, a proper legacy because he just he jumped around so much. And, and I don't think like, people would really identify with a lot of his hotspots. Being, being on top of the titles didn't matter to Bam Bam. Right. Yeah, he talks it, about it. Being part of the Trendsetter episode, like I think this is a perfect kind of structure to yes. highlight and to pay respects to Bam Bam Bigelow's career. And he talks Agreed. about it before about the politics, about with Scott Hall and Nash and them in yeah. relation yeah. with that because he wouldn't play yeah. politics with that. Yeah, the and click it, basically forced him out. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And uh, I think the Trendsetters, it's a fucking. I I, I still think, but it's they a respected compliment. him so much before that because they yeah. knew he could. Yeah, exactly. And they knew they're like they're like yeah, Bam Bam doesn't like us, but Bam Bam can fucking go. Yeah, like, yeah and, they were they were scared of him. Yeah, quite because he was good. Was scared of Bam they towed around Bigelow for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if you remember anything about Bam Bam, remember that he was trusted with main eventing at WrestleMania. So, and, and yeah. not, not only that, but main eventing at WrestleMania was somebody who didn't wrestle. He had right. to carry the whole thing. Yeah, right. So I, 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 we don't want to undersell that at all. I mean, to carry that WrestleMania in that moment. Um, tro- shows the ability of the ring general work that Bam Bam can carry. And Bam Bam, he set the blueprint for a lot. Of, like, there's two different like styles. Like, as far as big guys being agile, like you had the guys like Vader or you know someone like that that can do. He's a big guy, but he can do a moonsault and he can do the, yeah. maybe this other high spot. Where Bigelow was, he was the big man that can do all that stuff, and then he can still go, and he still had cardio, and he could still go through like like a Keith Lee. He for can example. work. No, like, Bigelow can like work. Bam Bam yeah. was a, yeah. a blueprint for a Keith Lee, where Vader was a blueprint for like a Lesnar or you know someone like that. There are two, two different styles of big man with it. Yeah, agile. Very, and, yeah, very good point. And yeah, Jesse, you might you might be able to correct me on this, but I remember I used to get WWF magazine the issues back in the day. It was something I'd never heard of and never seen the match, but he won the first like, was it Bunkhouse Battle Royal yes, for WWF? Or like, up at, like, because uh, I remember Lanny, Lanny Poffo in suit of armor. Like, yeah, yeah, and he came with no gimmick and won, he won. Yeah, I think he won the whole thing, and that was like a, one of his first things in the federation that he did was like this battle royal where it was like it was like a gimmick. It was a weird gimmick battle royal. It was like a yeah. cost. Battle Royal or something. Yeah, like they that. didn't call it Bunkhouse, but it yeah. was some sort of like weapons and come as you are and no rules kind of thing. Yes. And he... Oh, you're totally correct. I totally remember that. And I, I only remember... remember photos from inside yeah. WF Magazine. Yeah. Batman was awesome. I love Batman. Well, let's jump into it. Wrestling style. He, being Bam Bam Bigelow, started training with Larry Sharp at the Monster Factory in New Jersey in 1985. Yes, that's a real thing, folks. This facility was known for working uh, with larger wrestlers. Some of those students were wow. The Big Show, D'Lo Brown, King Kong Bundy, Sheamus, Balls Mahoney, and The Godfather, just to name a few. Uh, Bigelow was Impressive the first names. student at the Monster Factory to make a big name for himself, thus garnering a lot of attention for the school. Uh, at his heaviest, Bam Bam came in at 6'3", close to 400 pounds, but wow. he bumped... Like he was 250 pounds, yep. no joke. We talk about it. I, I talk about the cartwheels and, you know, seeing a big 400 pound man doing cartwheels, even on, even on a, a video game is kind of like crazy, right? But he could do that stuff. He performed moves off the top rope, unlike most uh, quote unquote monsters who stayed on the mat. Instead of that usual smaller wrestler uh, tries to take the bigger wrestler off his feet, 
formula. Bigelow would bump from certain moves in order to not saddle himself with one specific way of working. He would also springboard himself over the top rope from the apron onto his down opponent. This is a big dude doing this kind of stuff. And that's no, actually Cousnett nailed it perfect in the beginning. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Because Vader and Bam Bam's career oddly paralleled each other. They broke in the business the same year. Well, they, they were, were both different. known for the moonsault in the early '90s or whatever. Maybe maybe Vader a little bit more. But um, but the two difference where they even branch off further from each other was yeah, like Vader was more of like a Lesnar kind of dominant. You know what Lesnar became when Lesnar first wrestled. He was great and technical. But now the way they're pushing Lesnar, it's just like what Vader was. He's a monster, and he did big spots to give the face yeah. the advantage. But Bigelow worked, and there's a difference. And I don't mean to say that Vader couldn't work, no. but Bigelow worked like a 250 pounder. He worked like a like a rude, or he yeah. worked like Isn't a, like a uh, like, <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. right, and yeah. And that was the the key thing about Bigelow is like he never saddled himself as like, well, my whole script of my match is I'm going to have the small yeah. guy just try to keep taking me out, and I'm going to I'm going to oh, yeah. oh, take ten oh. minutes to get me off my feet. Yeah, he, he didn't never do did that. that. Bigelow was like, no, if you hit me with the bulldog from the top rope, I'm bumping because you're bulldogging me from the top rope. That would be enough to take me down. And then yeah. Bigelow would also do just amazing moves in there, too. Like, the way he worked and the way he punched and the way he segued into other moves, that, that was what a 250-pounder that, that's, that's why I said, like, I, Keith Lee. Look at how Keith Lee works. He works like a 250-pounder, and he bumps yeah. like Bam Bam would have, you know? But, but I, I think, Bigelow and Keith Lee, to, to his credit, too, when they have to play the big man, they become the big man. Yeah, and that's yes. a rare talent. Like yeah. a, That's very rare. They can like, do it when necessary, but also I think they understand there is a point, no matter how big you are, there is a switch. And if someone clicks it, it can shut you down. And to your point, if someone hits you with a bulldog from the top rope, I am going to sell it because you hit the switch. And it was kind of yeah, like that moment, anytime they switch it to the I'm a big man, it's like, oh, you forgot. You saw me bumping and flying around here. Now I'm a big man. Mm-hmm. And now everyone remembers and everyone pops for that, too. Yeah. Entering into the WWF in 1987, fans were immediately attracted to Bam Bam's style. He even cartwheeled around the ring like we talked about to show how agile he was for a big man. And right away, he was in the ring with wrestlers like Rick Rude, Bundy. Um, who's OMG? Who's OMG? Gang. Oh, one man gang. That's right. Oh he my was a board, like you could not take your eyes off him. The flames of his yeah. singlet, yeah. full body. The flames on his he head. Got, he the got tattoos. It. He got. And he it. was tatted up his arms. His flame. Yeah. yeah, the flames on his head. You could not take your eyes off him. Yep. And he even got into the ring with Andre from time to time. And Bam Bam took advantage of it. You're right, Roger. Oh, a defensive move that made him right into it. Twenty-four. That. One, two, three. Andre nicely covering. The benefit was he could play either role, that big man or that agile man, depending on what you needed him to be. Um, several tours of Japan helped him develop his style as well. In 1993, he began to moonsault off the top row because of who? Vader. Vader did it, and he's like, well, shit, then I got to do it. And, oh, and let's be Vader, he, he yeah, followed Vader. Vader yeah, Vader did yeah, it Yeah, Vader first. did it at Bash the Beach or Beach Blast, whatever, 93, on the Bulldog. And then Bam yeah. started doing it like a couple that months later. That was the first one Vader did. It was on Bulldog? Yeah. It was on, yeah. yeah. He almost, oh, like, he sorry, he, almost missing, he almost killed Bulldog with it. He yeah. Almost, Vader almost kills a lot of people with that. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a big man coming up. And the thing about Vader, when he did it, he would do it. If, if you, well, if you understand gymnastics, he would do a full layout, right? Yeah. So Vader would yeah. do that full spring layout. Where where Bam Bam would kind of almost peek over his shoulder and kind of halfway do it and 
it's almost like a half cartwheel, half yeah. moonsault off the rope. But he would still like, I'm going to do it, and he he uh, he would keep up, you know, keep up the Joneses with that half style moonsault. But for a big man, I will say nobody did it better than Vader <laughs> for oh, someone yeah. of that size. Yeah. It, it's a very impressive uh, moonsault splash. So um, very very good stuff. Up until his untimely death in 2007. Bigelow style influenced many bigger wrestlers. Uh, name a few, Jess. What are we talking about? Who, who are I the mean, other ones? Anybody that you see. Anyway, yeah, Keith Lee, that was a great call out by Cuz. But uh, anybody. Hugh Morris. See, yeah, Hugh, yes, yeah, Hugh um, Morris. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. There's a lot of guys that yeah, were kind of like that. that. They weren't like Andre or One Man Gang or Bundy size even, but they were kind of like in the middle. Yeah. And, but you, yeah, Hugh Morris is a great example of somebody who was noticeably bigger than his opponents, but decided to work. And I don't mean that, again, to disparage Vader or anybody like that or Bundy or anybody because they all knew what they were going to do. But Begalo was like the first guy to come in and be almost their size, pretty damn close. And but decide no, I'm just gonna I'm gonna work their style. Like if I have to work with a guy that's smaller than me, I need to make sure that I, I I'll knock him over with a shoulder block because I'm you know, <laughs> 350 pounds. But if he gets me with this high impact move, I'm going off my feet. Andre never bumped like that. Bundy never bumped like that. One man game never bumped like that. They would do one bump. Of Kevin that. Sullivan never bumped like that. I'm sorry. No, Jesus Christ, Dave. Oh <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um, so like yeah, like. It, uh, it, uh, you know, the Hugh Morris is a really good call out. And I would say anybody that you see that's like 300 pounds and goes off the top rope or whatever has to be influenced by what Bigelow did and tries to work like that. Would you say the Undertaker could have been influenced a little bit? Um, I don't know because I think Taker was around the same time. Uh, I think Taker was Taker was lank, like lanky, he wasn't heavy at all, he was just a big. Yeah, he was three bills. That's why. Yeah, Bigelow had pudge on him, and I don't mean that to be rude, but like he was built like a you know brick shit house, like Bigelow was. The reason why Taker's three hundred plus is because he's six foot. But I mean, but Hugh Morris is great. Bronson, another guy. Who? Bronson, the NXT, the big old Australian dude. Like those guys, like yeah, that that, they remind me so much of Bigelow. All of the callouts, like they they remind me so much of Bigelow, and he had to have influenced them because he was so different from the guy that, like I said, they ended up being teammates, him and Vader, for a while too in New Japan. And so, like, they paralleled the same time, and then they both did the moonsaults right apart from each other. And so I always think of those two for some odd reason together, but they are so noticeably different in yeah. great ways, uh, each one. But, yeah, Bigelow is something super special. Like, a working big man something is like great. a is someone I loved watching him. Uh, Dave's going to get into the matches here, too, because I already yeah. mentioned one of them, which is one of my favorite Bigelow matches, by the yeah, way. it is. Well, let's get into a key match just starting off with the WWF Survivor Series in November of 1987. He is the last remaining member of Hogan's team, but was the MVP of the entire match before finally being eliminated by Andre the Giant. Only in the company, by the way, for about three months. And he was put on Hogan's team. That I, I he was such the MVP. Go if you go back and watch that match. Every time Hogan tagged him in, that place popped so loud for Bigelow. And everything he did was super impactful. When he did the flying headbutt, the place oh like it was so Bigelow was so fucking over. It was it was weird to watch. Now was yeah. he was he held back, Jess? Like yeah, well, it's a more of a. Uh, he got, uh, did he fall into that like Jake the Snake role when he was just a feeder? I think for, he he, he falls into that. But Craig, you talked about it. he falls into that. Just fuck you, pay me. Like well, yeah, I mean, he only he was actually only in WWF for a year, 
Believe it or not. It's crazy. From like the late Which, summer of 97 to the early I summer of 98. And we all remember Bam Bam, by the way. Yeah. Like, he's one of the guys I remember from my childhood. Um, injuries. His, both his knees blew out. Um, and then it was that whole thing where it was just like Bigelow, Vince was just like, I want you to do a certain thing. You have to you know, kiss a certain amount of ass. And he didn't want to do it. And so it was just sort of bye. So he had bye. to go away. Um, yeah. He also, uh, what a lot of people don't know, is he Macho Man was really the first choice, but Bigelow was heavily considered to win the world title at WrestleMania four because of how over he was in that winter leading up to it. And again, they were just throwing a bunch of shit against the walls. I think the plan was always Macho Man. I'm not trying to say anything controversial, but Bigelow was talked about. And then also, um, Bigelow was talked about a long time before that to beat the Honky Tonk Man. The Warrior and Beefcake was supposed to do it. Then he got replaced, and the Warrior ended up doing it. But Bigelow was so over, they were actually going to put him over the Honky Tonk Man. He was one of the earlier discussions of beating Honky. And then they went with Beefcake, and then Beefcake got injured, and they put uh, Warrior in there. So it's kind of amazing, like, you know, Bigelow's one-year stint in WWF. Just bring anybody in. I don't care who it is. He was up against all the top guys. like, And he was in all the conversations. You know what I mean? Just bring everybody out here. Bigelow. Yeah. If you're getting beaten up by Andre in the finale of the Survivor Series in your first year and winning that bunkhouse or whatever the hell that did, battle did royal Hogan, was. Like, did Hogan get DQ'd in that match? He got, uh, he got counted out. There it is. There you go. Had to be. No way he got pinned in the Survivor Series. Just saying. Um, to Justin's point, it was one year stint in WWF in this run. He goes on to the uh, WCW set NWA Starcade in December of 1988. He faces Barry Windham for the U.S. title just a great example of how Bigelow's style allows his opponents freedom to work with an aggressive style, uh, whatever they need in the moment, right? Drop kick the feet against the back of the head and face first he goes. Bigelow continues now to punish away on Trent Knight and he goes. Down goes Trent Knight, rolls him over, and Bigelow may have it wrapped up right here, which he does. And steady along kept him down. Face first suplex by Big Bam Bam Bigelow. He is as big and as physical as they come. And we're going to take another look here. Yeah, it's was, it was a good, solid match. Go back and watch it for sure. I, and I always felt he was almost uh, not put, um, not used correctly in WWNWA either. Like, no, I think it's because, yeah, like even worse. Talking, in fact. I really believe that Bigelow was kind of like, I'm not playing any politics at all. I just want you to, you know, book me right or fucking let me go. Yeah. And I think to be that net, that that A plus tier, like you need to be completely invested. Like they can, they need to trust you with. Yeah, and whatever. then right away, yeah, he gets an NWA WCW, and they're like uh, U.S. title, uh, Barry Windham. Okay, like that's how yeah. valued he was. Like, yeah, you do anything. Yeah. I mean, even to come into this match in 1993 for the King of the Ring Finals against Bret Hart, that's showing a lot of. God, that was so good. Bam, Bam, Bam was able to do a fucking great match. He's purely dominant here despite a losing effort. He and Brett just gelled together perfectly. Um, great match. I mean, I can't think of too many people that Bam Bam didn't gel with. It, we'll even take it to this. We, you know, we all kind of we, – we do tend to talk a little bit of smack on WrestleMania 11. Oh <laughs> um, uh, WrestleMania 11, and it's Bam Bam in the main event against a non-wrestler, quite frankly – that non-wrestler is Lawrence Taylor, who is a Hall of Fame NFL player. Um, uh, this is easily Bam Bam's biggest match ever. He's asked to carry a main event match in a tough time in WWE. And that main event, main event money against someone who, quite frankly, had probably probably had a month's worth of wrestling training. 
if we're being real about it, about hitting those high spots. And um, if Bam Bam didn't have the style of versatility that he did, there's no way he could have carried LT through through a match. And it leads you into the idea that Bam Bam can control a lot more in the ring than anybody ever thought. If well, you're, that's if you're yeah, like, what, you know? like to this day, for Bam Bam's not in the Hall of Fame, right? No, I don't think silly. he is. How that's is he silly. not? That is crazy. Yeah, I, I really right. don't believe he is. And on top of that, how how the fuck does nobody ever talk about that he main evented at WrestleMania with a non wrestler and did so good? Really good. Like, it was the best he part carried of it like match. anybody else would. Like the, re- the reason I laugh when Dave was just Ring speaking General. is I I played the clip in my head of his push to Lawrence Taylor when Lawrence Taylor kind of looked around yeah and Bam Bam gives him the biggest shove like to start like the off the at Royal thing. Rumble that year yeah it was yeah. Royal yeah. Rumble that year he's like yeah this guy this guy is. Maybe, maybe it's because WrestleMania 11 was such a lump of shit. Yeah, um, yes. that, that's why they don't want to remember. But I mean, like, yeah, he was the yeah the diamond in that lump it, of. But if you're gonna shit. watch two matches from that show, it's Diesel and Michaels, Diesel and, Michaels and, and LT and Bam Bam. Like, really, like they they delivered. Even being put on last, Bigelow, like who was never like a world title guy, like Made you know, got close. But I'm, never, a, I'm afraid because we don't have them listed here. Maybe we'll get into it towards the end. But I'm afraid to ask for his title accolades. I don't know if he has much of any. No, yeah. he doesn't. Oh, exactly. Well. No. New it's Japan, maybe insane. tag stuff. And, well, in the next promotion, but, yeah. he does. Yeah. Oh, it's easy. Cuzzle. Yeah, Cuzzle. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, but even, um, um, I mean, WrestleMania and Lawrence Taylor blew up in yeah. that match, like early. Like, and still, Well, you know, like, Lawrence Taylor was purely a third down guy. I mean, let's be real. <laughs> um, you know. Yeah, you know, break, with an admitted coke problem. Breaking, problem. breaking, breaking femurs off quarterbacks. I mean, it's all good. Um, but still, let's jump. Let's jump. Let's just jump ahead because that's just sad. Um, LT blowing up. ECW living dangerously in March of 1998. He faces Taz for the ECW Television Title. Uh, this is the match where Taz jumped on Bigelow's back and attempted to choke him out. Bam Bam fell backwards, and they both crashed through the ring canvas. Planned? Or not planned. Absolutely planned. Of course. Because but talk that, about Bam Bam and ECW. That was the genius of ECW. It was such a great spot. And then the rematch, they fell through the ramp. Yeah. Like, but this is he actually won. This was in uh, uh, New Jersey, this event. Living and, uh, he won yep. the, EC, the TV title from Taz here. And that was a big deal. Like Cuz said, it's so funny. The other two promotions, not any titles, except I think he won the hardcore title in WCW yeah. towards the end there. But like it, yeah, like ECW like treated him perfect. Like he was such a he great shined. fit. Which adds to his legacy to me because, again, he showed how he could work with all these guys. Hardcore didn't matter. Uh, These young guys, he's like, yeah, let's get him over. Like, he works so well with Taz. Uh, And RVD. RVD, yep. Another fucking great. Just fucking great. And he was a uh, triple threat member. Fuck. Fuck. Triple threat member. I mean, my favorite version of the triple threat was Chris Candido, Shane Douglas, and Bam Bam. Yeah. I mean, and you're talking about, like, triple threat had guys like Chris Benoit, Malenko, 
Two Cold Scorpio, Lance Storm, wow. like all these other great fucking wrestlers. But this was the best version. Uh, this match at Living Dangerously with Taz was a good match. Uh, and he won this one. And then Heat Wave is when when they fell through the uh, the ramp. And Taz, Taz, Taz yeah, Taz yeah. won that match. Another good match, though. But Bam Bam, man, like this is the example right here. Brett and him and then all like all of the matches he was in ECW, like just mentioned, uh, he fought Rob Van Dam. As well, that, that was, was another so good. good match. Yeah, it was a fucking good he match. Spike Dudley in the crowd. That Spike, yeah. shot oh, yeah. Spike Dudley all the yep. way to like the third row. Yep. So fucking Bam Bam man, ECW. That's I, that's one of my favorite times of, of remembering Bam Bam. Other than like I mentioned, uh, or like we talked about the uh, Bret Hart match and Bam Bam, and, and you know those years of the WWF for him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This and ECW. That and ECW. Fucking great. The last high profile high profile match of Bigelow's career was at WCW Super Bowl Nine. And February of 1999 versus Goldberg. So that's really from there. It just kind of goes indie runs. I do not remember that. Did he? Did he? Did he? Could he pull a decent match with Goldberg? No, it was a decent passable match. Absolutely. Like absolutely, um, yeah. it was forced. Unfortunately, they just they they. But again, right when he came back at the end of '98, they're like, "Go with Goldberg." Something about Bigelow, where they knew he was a big guy, but he could work. They're like, "Oh yeah, yeah." Like, in other words, Bigelow would become the 230 pound guy that needs to sell to Goldberg, and they knew he could. But his physical stature made a nice match for Goldberg. Yeah. So I get why well, I don't. I don't. Those incredible threat. Critique them. Um, trying that because Bigelow is that good. Just shows how good he was. I, I, I'm sure we can go back and catch it, but was it so incredibly easy for Goldberg to jackknife Big yes, Low? Absolutely. It's insane. Hammer. I'm sorry, Jackhammer. Jack I, I said jackknife, huh? <laughs> he was freakishly strong, Goldberg was. He My was very strong. Yeah, it's insane. That doesn't get too far off the rails. But yeah. I just you know, if you can if you can put Bigelow up that way, just hold him. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. And I'm sure Bigelow could sell it and and you know straighten out to, and, to take care of him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I bet he well. fed, I bet he made him a million dollars and yeah, he, he jumped up off his farm. Yeah. I hate Goldberg. Whoa. <laughs> thanks, Sorry. thanks, Bigelow, for making me a million dollars off. Not as much of Vince Russo. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Overall, Bigelow Bro. should be remembered as one of the few agile big men who can actually work with different styles Bro. and complement that opponent. He was also featured by all big promotions towards the top of the card. Any wrestler over 300 pounds that you see doing a flip or a high-risk maneuver from the top rope was unquestionably influenced by somebody by Bam, like, like Bam Bam Bigelow. His appearance was ahead of his time in the late 80s. Now it's common for wrestlers to have several tattoos that don't affect their characters. When you look at the people that were headlining around the time, you think of a Sting or a Flair, uh, Luger, Hogan. Yeah, no, nobody was sporting tattoos back then. If anybody had Hold tattoos on. back then, it was like give him a biker gimmick or give him yeah. a whatever because he had tattoos. One man gang. Just. Bigelow, I mean, they just did the flames because he had flames on his head, but like he had tattoos on his arms. Like he, <laughs> it didn't really affect his character. Like he was ahead of his time back then. Like he looked amazing. Because he had the flame suit, which was cool. Then he had the flames on his head, which, you know, of course, I get that. But that wasn't his gimmick. He wasn't like the flame man. Bam. bam, bam, Bigelow. He was just bam, bam, Bigelow. They didn't even try to make it a part of his character, which was my point. Like, is that, you know, 
But, but back then, anybody else that would have tons of tattoos, well, let's put a biker gimmick on you or let's do this or whatever. You're going to be some dirty, you know, heel or whatever because everybody's dirty that has tattoos. But oh. Bigelow, they were just like, oh, let's put flames on him. He's a fucking fireball. But we're not – they didn't reference that at all. Like, you know, Vince of all people yeah. would have been like, you're the fireball. Bam, bam. Bigelow, how do you like that? Like, it, they didn't even do it with him. Like, it's – so he was oh, so ahead uh, of his time even with his uh, appearance. How old was I, Bam Bam when that fire was extinguished? I, I believe he's like 40. He wasn't that old. Maybe a little older. I think he was a little older. I think he was like 44 or something like that. It was, I, I'm it's guessing. Insane. But And then yeah. you know what's what's um, what's interesting about that is he actually suffered some like third-degree burns saving a little girl or saving people from a fire, That's which like right. kind of led to his kind of downfall, right? Or like – Yeah, after um, that, like he right. got bad after that, yeah. I forgot about that. What about – I, th- I believe it was heart failure that he passed away from. I'm, I'm pretty sure. What about uh, Doink and Bam Bam? I mean. Oh, stop it. Why do you have to sit on his legacy right now? No. No, no. Well, what, what happened with Doink and Bam? What happened with Doink and Bam? Doink and Dink and all Nothing. that stuff. Nothing. I mean. It was, awful. was it bad? <laughs> As yeah, a kid, really I still remember that a lot, a lot about that with Bam Bam. I mean, oh, did, did Doink just try to mess with him with his little tiny Doinks? And then, they did for a bit. Yeah, yeah they had a little feud. I mean, it, it's like it's I imagine Doink and Bam Bam by itself with with Steve Kerr. Well, uh, I just, no, I just, no, I just no. imagine Matt Bourne. Matt Bourne Matt wasn't Bourne. the guy here. Matt Bourne. Uh, oh, I just yeah, imagine was like, okay. but go. Which, right? If it was Matt Bourne and Bigelow, that would have been probably gold. Fucking great. Yeah. So who was who was second Doink? Who was post? I fucking can't remember his name. He did an admirable job. He really did. But he was no. He wasn't right. Yeah, so yeah, the new the new Doink after Bourne left the character, they brought in Dink and Doink and Poink and Joink. But Skinner wasn't Doink, oh. like uh, the second Doink. Uh, Skinner Why was. Did I say Steve he Kern. was the second Doink? Yeah, so what, so what it was, was Steve Kern? No, it wasn't. That out it of was, nowhere. It was Matt Bourne. Yeah, and when they did the two uh, Doinks at WrestleMania, it was Steve Kern as the twin. But Steve Kern also filled in for uh, Matt Bourne when he was having his demons. Demons. When he would no show trip, Steve Kern came in there and did. Oh, I forgot. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I forgot we were recording this uh, Bam Bam episode, not a Doink episode, yeah. <laughs> I, oh. uh, Trendsetters, um, clowns. An- another thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say Basically, another I thing that. Uh, they gave it their all. Another thing <laughs> that would be notable. was the best. Another thing that, that's uh, notable for Bam Bam, uh, though, is the whole running into the burning house. Bef- yeah, know, yeah. Seven years yeah, yeah. before he died. Uh, yeah, saving yeah. kids oh, from okay, a burning so house. Okay. So I said earlier it, was, it led to his down. That was, that was a long time before he died. So thank yeah. you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that. Sorry, I didn't. Seven, seven years is not that long. No, that's important, though. Like, it was, that's, it, it needs, that's less, that's a decade. 40% burns is what it was. Man. Damn. So I had to look up because I, I know he got hurt from it, but I don't. I didn't remember how, mi- what how much. What there right now? When he died? What age? Uh, I know he died in two thousand seven because the the report of this is an actual from when it happened uh, was July eleven two thousand when he actually ran in the building to save the or the house to save the burning or the kids you know from the burning house, and wow. all I just talks about that he over forty percent of his body was burned. Jesus, and then he has an awesome like three hour shoot. I don't know if it's RF or who on no, YouTube. Yeah, it's, he, he is totally like wide open on his issues. Just shoot or shoot or whatever. Shoot, 
something. It's really good. He's that's, in like the back of a comic book store. That's like, yeah. the one where he talks about the um, uh, Scott Hall and Nash and uh, yeah, you, yeah. And, and there is uh, a funny way, story. Uh, he was he was forty five years old when he died. Wow. Yeah, so, forty five yeah. years old. Okay, so our age. Three of us yeah, four yeah. are almost and, there. And I think another... Uh, multiple, I hate to say it. Multiple drugs found in the system, including uh, toxic levels of I, cocaine. I didn't remember that. Wow. Anti-anxiety drugs found his benzos. Hold on. He's, he's, got a, he's got a funny story about the Bret Hart. <laughs> <laughs> about the Bret Hart and King of the Ring. He talks shut, about it. Shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. <laughs> shut. No. No. Yeah. I actually no, remember that. I didn't remember Let's talk about that. clowns for 20 minutes when we can't talk about exactly <laughs> No. Well, I, I try to bring it back with the noble story. And sorry, I'm sorry, cause no, go, no. Sorry, I was just gonna say, and then he has, talk he, about the noble story. Do he, he has a fu- no. Yeah. I was just saying he has a funny he story knows. from the Bret Hart uh, match, and he talked about it. He's like, you know, great match, uh, you know, blah blah blah. And then he's like, and then I remember when we did that roll up that pin. He's like, he's all Bret had the worst stinkiest protein farts ever. He's like, I almost threw up in the <laughs> ring. Like he, it was I, fucking great. Right. It's fucking great. Yeah, I love that. Ba- yeah, I love Bam Bam Bam. Bam Bam's awesome. That was a victory roll. Yeah, the victory roll. He's all he, the protein part. He's like, it's so bad. He's almost threw up in the. Ring. He said he was gagging in the. Ring. He said Broward was laughing. Uh, Man up, pump him on his shoulders. Can he get him in a? He got him in a victory roll. He's got the fleet hook. Bam Bam was great. I love hey, you. Anything else you want to shit on Bam Bam about? Yeah. <laughs> Benzo. Do you want to talk about Doink for longer, Dave, or what? <laughs> <laughs> I brought him up for a minute. I, know was, I, I remember that as a kid, though. It, it's, it, it sticks in my head. Like Some people, that is their memories, you know? Yeah, That's my, like the early Raw. But in, it's uh, nostalgic. You know, yeah, it's like, exactly. When you, when you get bugged, And Jerry Lawler was involved with that, too. in the street because that edges in your mind, too. It doesn't mean it was good. What, what happened? Wait, what? What, huh? No, what, what were you trying to make the comparison to? If you ever, if you ever get mugged, that's going to etch in your brain, too. Oh. It doesn't mean it's good. No, oh, it's yeah. not. Don't, but it's still don't totally it as my a, brain. As a kid, this is pro wrestling, pal. Yeah. Yeah. Kids hate yeah. it. Everything's nostalgia, right? Nostalgic. I when it comes to these times. Now, thanks a lot. It wasn't You're You're blocked out. Yeah. Something ballroom. You're in some drugs. You you were dressed like doink. Yeah, that's exactly. Benzo's Dave's. You might as well, Ben. Might need one after this. For audio fans, give us a listen on Apple, Spotify. Fans are going to yell at me if I don't (laughs) don't find out what the broadcast Edit it out if you don't like it. Or watch our videos on YouTube (laughs) and our podcast. Your YouTube. Social media. Give us a follow on Instagram or Twitter at OWB2019 or catch us on Facebook at our podcast. Your brain has the the podcast. This is Dave. Manhattan Center. Just. You're Because you. we can go to be signing off. <laughs> have a good one. <laughs> you have a good one. <coughs> You're a, not a good one. <laughs> uh, not uh, chill. Benzo.